Hello, and welcome to the Click and Obey podcast. Holy shit. Uh, that was a night. That that was so 2020. Mesh, I just take it. I don't even know. I don't know what's happening. I don't know where we're at today. Tell me what to think. Yeah, uh, it was right out of the 2020 playbook, man. Uh, what to think? What to think? Well, I, I want to start out by pointing out something we did in a previous podcast, something we talked about in a previous podcast. We brought up this concept called the red mirage and how that might be somewhat of a factor here. And for those that don't remember, the red mirage was this idea that was brought forth a few months ago that basically went something like, hey, you know, with the deep political divides in the country, um, basically people who are going to vote mail-in and vote early are probably going to vote Democrat, aka Biden, and people who vote in person or maybe drop off their ballots in person um, are probably going to vote red. Um, so for Trump. And so what might happen is because there's a lot of variability with um, the mail-in ballots in a lot of the states, aka you can't start counting them until a certain time, whereas the uh, in-person ones are the ones that are dropped off, um, you can count immediately. Those ones will get returned first and therefore we might see a lot of states be significantly red with like 80% of the vote in or whatever, 70 to 80%, and then suddenly have this blue shift as the mail-in votes come in and they're, you know, five to one um, blue. And so, yeah, there was this concept of the Red Mirage and we talked about it and said that this is actually a fairly feasible thing because it's not like, um, you know, the way elections work, it's not like it's this live leaderboard in any given state. It's like, you know, you watch the state, you watch the votes trickle in, but it's not this linear thing. It's like, no, no, it, it matters where the votes are coming from at that given point, at any given point in time. You know, yeah, like you might have 6% of the votes in, but it might've been this, the first 6% might've been the block that was all rural. And of course you see a red run up and then the second 12% that comes in, you know, and so you're up to 18% or something like that might happen to be part of the city. And so you see the blue come in. It's kind of like, this is not a, uh, this is not like a basketball game or anything like that. It's just literally the order in which you receive the counts from the various geographical locations is how the story goes. And so the, the red mirage is, an interesting concept but just it's a mirage in general you know yeah i had a lot of friends throughout the night because we just kind of had like one of those discord chats going right where they would yeah. say oh it looks like texas is going blue and virginia's going oh. red and it's like everybody no, no, no. everybody on. calm down we're at 50 percent. we don't know where things come from because one texas does their mail-in voting early or like first right because some states do day of voting first and then mail-in and other states do it opposite right Texas was the mail-in first, which, like we said, went blue. Um, Michigan went day of first, right? So it just happened. And then all of a sudden, like two hours later, everything flips. It's like, yeah, guys, everybody calm down. Like Texas is not blue. Virginia is not red. That's not a thing. That's not what we're dealing with here. Um, but on to that point of the red mirage, it doesn't shock me that that happened, right? And realistically, the way it's going, it looks like Biden is probably favored in a lot of places. I know there's going to be a Supreme Court case. Like that is without a doubt, there's going to be a Supreme yep. Court case here. But the way in which they did it is just so sketchy. Like I, I, I realistically don't care that much who wins the presidency. I don't think it's going to matter long term, depending on how the House and Senate fall out. And we can talk about that later. But they just stopped and it's 
kind of just randomly just like, oh yep we're stopping and then we'll just start back in the morning it's like okay and then all of a sudden they just like flood in with all the biden stuff and it's like guys maybe this is all legit but it looks shady as hell like you yeah. have to realize this looks weird and two i'm looking at the cnn politics thing right and it's like every few minutes it seems like i get a trickle of something from pennsylvania or michigan or whatever and they're voting for biden north carolina not updating when Trump is the one who keeps gaining there. Georgia only updates whenever I see Biden changes, right? And it's just like, what's happening? What Like, we know in Arizona, Trump is getting more votes, right? It's still undecided. They had to pull it back from being decided because we know Trump's getting more votes, but it's not getting updated. It's like, why is everything frozen if it's likely in Trump's yeah. favor? Not, not many he's going to win the state, but it's going towards his favor. And it's not frozen if it's in blue. It's fucking weird. It is weird. And they need to count those votes because I think, you know, we're looking at it right now, right? And and what are the currently uh, undecided states according to CNN? I want to say it's what Arizona, Nevada. Um, they called Michigan. I think they called Wisconsin, right? Yeah, Wisconsin, Michigan are called. You're right. Arizona, so, Nevada. They haven't called Alaska, which is just preposterous. Alaska is okay, that's crazy. Jot, jot yeah. it down. Jot uh, that down. Um, then uh, Pennsylvania, Georgia? North Carolina, Georgia. Yeah. Okay. So those are the ones they haven't called. Uh, most of those. Man, they're going to be such close races. I but think North Carolina, Georgia probably go Trump at the end of the day. Um, I think so too. We'll see, right? There's always big counties. And like, I'm not, don't hold me to that. I'm not saying that this is 100% guarantee. I just, that feels like it. Pennsylvania is the real toss up, right? We have no idea. How Pennsylvania goes is how the election goes. The rest yep. of this is irrelevant at this point, I'm pretty sure. If I yep. do my math right, we have. 17 uh, votes. Oh, on. no, actually. You know what? Trump has to win one of Arizona Yeah, Trump has to win one of Arizona and Nevada, which uh, Arizona is actually currently a toss-up still. They have a lot of voting left, and they're all Trump districts, um, yep. like 16%. Because like you said, right, it could be the big bundle. So right. it, that doesn't mean he's going to win it, but who knows? Yeah, who knows? They need to count those votes because uh, from what I'm seeing, like according to... <laughs> There's some missing votes, not missing, but you know, the, the votes that have yet to be counted in Mar Mariscopa County, uh, which is which is going blue, it's flipped over to Biden. And that's the, you know, that's the urban district. And then they have a lot of rural districts that haven't got their counts in. And I think if you do the math, like you're you're looking at a potential result around like 10,000 votes, like difference between the two candidates, like really small margin. So they need to get those votes counted. Yeah. I what I heard was that, I mean, and granted, this is from the Trump camp, so who the hell knows, right? But they actually think it's going to be about 30,000 plus on Trump's side because what oh, they really? believe is that it's a 62% sway towards Trump for the remaining vote. And that 62% ends up being, um, what would that be, like 130,000 plus votes for oh, Trump uh, based oh, on the 16% that's left. So okay. I, I didn't I didn't fact check that math. I, I don't, I did not double check who the source was or anything. These are just things I heard propagated through the new sources I use, right? So once again, don't hold me to it. This stuff is changing by the minute, <laughs> but yep. that it wouldn't shock me if Trump won Arizona or it wouldn't shock me if he lost either. And both by 5,000 votes, 10,000. We're talking yeah. on I the margin at this point. Yep, yeah. it is going to be on the This is a close election. You know, um, I do want to talk about that. So I think we can say that Biden is the favorite, has been the 100%. favorite since Arizona... Um, was called by Fox and then things have been kind of shaky since then, but regardless, um, his, his big pickups in Michigan and Wisconsin right. um, kind of catapulted him to the favor. So I want to say, honestly, he's probably at about a 75% chance to win this thing. I would say. 
Yeah, I might even go at uh, at eighty five percent. Eighty five. Realistically, yeah, I, I, I think, think he's. So too. Yeah, I think he's a heavy favorite. Um, not not shocking to anybody, but I think where you were going to go with that is like, I was told three hundred plus. How, what happened? Yeah. yeah so what let's, happened with let's, this? Let's talk about this. I, I wanted to I wanted to bring this up with you because, um, as you know, like uh, I've I've been very passionate about following polls for a while. I've been a steady listener of like 538 the podcast and the reader of the site even though i have some significant issues with it i still you know there's a lot to be gleaned from paying attention to this sort of stuff in my mind it's incredibly valuable and you know they are smart people even if i do think that um, they let the partisan side kind of take over the, the scientific side um so anyways with all that said uh i wanted to look at some of the averages that they had in some of the swing states and, and compare it to how Trump actually performed in those swing states. So these are the last polls I think that they put out or some of the last polls that they put out um, right before the election in these states. And, and I'm gonna read to you how Trump did relative to those polls real quick. So in Ohio, Trump was a plus seven. In Wisconsin, Trump was a plus eight. In Iowa, Trump was a plus seven. In Texas, Trump was a plus five. In Florida, Trump was a plus six. North Carolina, Trump was a plus three. Georgia, Trump plus three. Minnesota, Trump plus two. And Arizona, Trump minus one. So I'm looking at those threes and twos and, and the negative one. And, you know, those are close enough to the margin of error that I'll give it to them. But, you know, in just a few of these swing states, like, plus these, eight. Are, yeah, these the are inexcusable. I mean, literally, like, yeah, the plus eight. I mean, how did you miss that? This is the, Wisconsin is like a twenty thousand vote difference. What yeah, the hell are you polling the five thirty eight people like themselves? Were they just in office? Like, what do you think about Wisconsin? Fifty two, fifty three. I don't know. You know, fifty three Biden. It's like, how did you come up with this? Yeah, I have no idea, man. No, but um, yeah, this just goes to show that, like, you know, this is a sustained thing. We've seen this for two presidential elections. Okay, um, we know 538, you know, you've got kind of the mad scientist in, in Nate Silver over there, literally generating all sorts of different types of models, open sourcing the code for these models, in some cases. Um, he's just really into fine tuning all this stuff. Like I said, he's kind of like a mad scientist. And this is what he's produced for a second straight time, like not really good polls. And you know, this turned into, I think, you know, you've seen this in your friend circles. I've seen it in my friend circles and in our shared circle uh, of friends as well, where this criticism of the polling is now tied to this whole stupid left-right dichotomy. So it's like, if you criticize polls, you're now this right-wing bigot or whatever. It's like, it's well- It's an anti-science type of disagreement, yeah. right? Like they act yeah. like, oh, if you disagree with the polls, you're anti-science or you're anti-data. It's like, time out. No, I'm not anti-data, I'm anti-shitty anti <laughs> data, it yeah. turns out. And I don't like when data sucks because I can't fucking use it. Yeah, I'm like, and I, you know, you know this having um, having worked with me, but um, and I, I know this because I know what you do for your job. But like, data is super important, man. Like, we deal with it all the time. We now I, I we don't poll, you know, we're not pollsters or anything like that. But we do certain things, you know, like lo like performance metrics and logging is is part of our job. Um, it's a vital part of our job. Sometimes you have to roll that up to to other people that are important in the business, you know, and they need to have a way to, to judge 
certain kind of stories that are important to the customer in terms of performance over time. And they don't want to get into the nitty gritty. And so you kind of have to do the similar thing that polling does, which is you have to tell the story with the data. And there's a whole deep thing that is involved in that, man. I mean, it's like, what bits of data am I collecting? How am I collecting it? Why am I collecting it? How stable is each bit of data that I'm collecting? Um, you know, I think that last part to... is the one they massively <laughs> yeah. miss on, right? Oh. Like, I don't doubt they can do yeah. the math. I have zero question here, but the stability is clearly not there, right? right? And yeah. it's a little easier on our side because obviously like the computers don't really lie. If you tell them to do something, they do it. Well, now that might be bad, but yeah. they do what you tell them to do. But it's like, they're clearly either not pulling the right people or not getting correct answers, which means they're asking 100%. the wrong fucking questions because people right. don't trust them. Yeah, I see. And that's what I'm saying. It's, it's great to talk with you about it because you get it right away, which is that polls are inherently biased by these two things, right? Like the sourcing problem. It's a sourcing problem. Is is are you able to accurately capture the population that you're trying to tell the story about, number one? And number two, how are you getting that data from them? Which is another way of saying, like, how are you asking this question? How are you formulating this question towards this population? And you have to nail those two variables. And if you don't, you end up with incredibly high variance stuff. And if you're like 538, you know, they, they aggregate polls. They don't just do polls, right? They, they aggregate polls. They do things on top of polls. They build models on top, of poll, on top of polls. That's a whole abstraction layer on top of polling. If you have data that is highly variable and you write abstractions on top of it, what do you think it's going to be? You know, it's going to be highly error prone. Like if you have this data that has higher margins of error, um, has a lower confidence interval, and it has these kind of sourcing problems like we just mentioned. And then you try to do analysis on top of it. Like what the hell else are you gonna end up with other than a sketchy ass end result? Yeah. I, I mean, and these are, not new, these are not new accusations or criticism of polling in general. Like this has been going on for years. Yeah, and it's, it's something I always found interesting about the stats class I had where it talks about, the, you, you brought it up, right? It's like like modeling or the this kind of projection is all about modeling and probability and confidence intervals, right? It's yeah. like my confidence interval is 90%, 99% because you can never be 100% sure, right? Like, because you could have been lied to. You just, you can't, you can't know for sure. But it's like, if you pick 2000 people from just the right place, your confidence interval will be the same technically, but your source, like your sample set will be terrible. And it just feels like they're just doing this constantly, right? Is they're just picking just the wrong people over and over and over or wrong questions. But I don't know what they're going to do to get out of it. Maybe one, maybe once they're outside of Trump, they'll be better. Cause I know what they tout is like, Oh, well in 2018, we got it right. It's like, Oh, so the elections that didn't matter near as fucking much. Right. It's just yeah. like, you know, when it comes to presidentials, you just have no idea what you're doing. Yeah. And maybe that's a Trump factor. It's quite possible it is. And in 2024, right, we'll get back to normal and it'll be fine. But it's going to skew the way people think about these polls from now on because they know they can be way the fuck off. And like, you should yeah. just not trust them. And, you know, uh, we talked about this in the previous podcast too. It also has to do with the environment. Like it, sometimes you don't have the ability to just choose your population right off the bat. Like I am going to get an answer from this person, God damn it. Like they can hang up or not respond. And a lot of that has to do with like, How's society doing? How's the culture doing? You know, it's like if you're in a culture that people feel like they have to stifle what they believe in or they have to modulate according to the audience, like you're going to get a lot of people that are going to hang up on you. You're going to get, and they've had 
you know, reports on this in several mainstream media outlets about, you know, oh man, it's kind of hard to get the right polling population. You're going to have people hang up. You're going to have people give you a socially acceptable answer because you say, I'm from the New York Times or I'm from this or whatever. Um, yeah, they're going to modulate based off of who you are. And that is, that's a confounding factor. Like you can't, you can't have that in polling. And, and these are all super fair criticisms. And also they're, they're borne out in the results to two elections in a row. Arguably this election might've been worse you know, in a lot of ways. It actually was worse technically, as far as like the, um, the difference and what the expectations were, but it just didn't matter as much, right? Because the gaps were wider. So like if it's a plus eight, but the, the gap, if they were plus eight towards Trump, but the gap was nine, right? He still loses. So it still looks correct as far as their, the blueness of their map, but like they were actually even further off on the predictions as far as the, uh, the, the margins. So we could talk about this all day, but I know we were kind of doing a shorter pod today and I want to get a little bit to other stuff outside of presidential because I know everybody's tied up in that, but let's talk about the Senate, the house and some of the reforms that went through, uh, not reforms, but the ballot measures. Um, I'm going to start quickly with the ballot measures because I find them just to be a little pretty interesting. It's a quick run through if you don't mind. Um, So, I've got like eight on the screen from CNN. I'll quickly go through all of them. A lot of them have to do with legalizing marijuana and uh, <laughs> spoiler alert, all those passed. That it just, three <laughs> states, Arizona, um, New Jersey, and South Dakota all passed. And South Dakota even did legalize both medical and regular marijuana. So they put them both on the ballot just in case, right? But they're, they're both in, so it's good to go. Um, Alaska had the option for ranked choice. And they voted no. And actually fairly overwhelmingly is 57-43. Kind of surprised at that. I don't know who should have a real problem with ranked choice. It seems like it should be totally fine. Um, I, I don't know. But, but whatever. Um, Colorado had a ban abortion after 22 weeks. That was voted no. So they continue to be able to do it. I, I don't think they actually have a cap. I think it's basically when the baby's born, that's the cap. Um, California, interesting proposition. App-based drivers as contractors meaning like Uber is entitled as a contractor and not as a, uh, as employees, which was a recent law they passed to make them employees, but Uber Lyft, they said, we're going to get the fuck out of the state then. Uh, so I think that's actually a good pass. I think that's correct. They should be listed as contractor. Um, Louisiana, no constitutional right to abortion, heavy. Yes. Um, Mississippi, new state flag, the most important of, uh, of questions. Yeah. And, wow, uh, oh, orders. Yeah. And sorry, I missed one state. Montana also has legalized marijuana and they are, it's only 81% in, so it still could technically change, but it's 57%. Yes. So it looks heavy. Like there's four new states with legalizing wow. marijuana. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So people want their weed. It, in a not so shocking turn of events, <laughs> right? It, it seems like that's, if by 2030, that's not just everywhere, I'd be kind of shocked. It just seems so, like it's starting to snowball. It's just interesting to me because it's like, it's a funny story that you could tell. It's like, okay, so in 2020, we all decided to stay at home, get stoned and watch Netflix and order order delivery for every meal. I, I'm trying to think if I have any disagreement with that. That sounds like society today. <laughs> yeah. Like, absolutely. That's what we do. Yeah. So we're all just like living in a Scooby-Doo world. That's cool. Um, <laughs> so th- there's actually one <laughs> ballot measure that I wanted to bring up. <laughs> Sorry, cracked myself up there. Um, 
one ballot measure that I want to bring up that I thought was really uh, interesting and the result even more so. Mm -hmm. um, so California had a ballot measure called Proposition 16, End Diversity Ban. What it does oh, is it, yeah, yeah, it, it repeals a constitutional, it, it purports to repeal a constitutional provision that made it unlawful for California state and local governments to discriminate against or, or grant preferential treatment to people based on race, ethnicity, um, origin, like nation of origin or sex or gender. And um, so this proposition was to overturn that piece, was to basically make uh, um, it's bringing racism back. Like you yeah. can literally be racist in the government yep. now. Yep, discrimination. Let's... Bring it back. Um, and I'm I'm very happy to report, although we're at seventy two percent reporting, and I'm completely shocked that California is voting no on this, which is a huge win, I think. For I, I'm culture. surprised. What's the numbers on that? Uh, let's see, seventy two percent reporting. I got fifty six point one percent for 6,411,000. Okay, so that's, that's a pretty big, I mean, that's a pretty big gap because it's 56, so what's that's 56.44? So I mean, yeah. that's a 12 point swing. That's hard to overcome even at 72%. Yep. I mean, yep. I can't do the rough math, but I think you gotta be like a 65, 35 split. Good for, no, for you know, the other side going forward yep. to make that to happen, climb, so. To climb back, so yeah, so discrimination, open discrimination with quote unquote good intent, you know, everything that you do that's fucking Obviously. terrible and a terrible idea is always master. Oh, they have good intent. They have good intent, it's fine. Yeah, but anyways, uh, I digress. So they're voting no on that, which is an incredible win. And I, I wanted to draw that back to a greater trend that I saw here. So um, we were looking at, I think with, with the likelihood, and I, I don't wanna say that this is final, but like we're looking at a Republican Senate, uh, Joe Biden as president, Kamala Harris as co-president. Um, oh, sorry, <laughs> vice president, my bad. Oh, no, um, you, you just mean 2021 president Kamala Harris. Yep. That's what Yeah, mean. that's what I meant. Um, <laughs> a, Did I say it right? Did I say Kamala? I think, it's Kamala, right? Yeah, I think it's Kamala, actually, if you want to okay. go with the, the Indian pronunciation, I'm sorry. I'm, which I'm no one racist. is saying. I'm too yeah. racist for this. I'm sorry, sorry. man. <laughs> your, your, your white fragility is leaking out all <laughs> over the airwaves. Fact. Man, um, <laughs> I think we just gave away one of our races. Um, oh, no. our faces. But anyways, um, yeah, I, so, and, and, well, let me start that over real quick. So we've got Democrat president, vice president, we've got Republican Senate, and now we've got a uh, more Republican, I think Republican gains in the House. Um, yeah, do you want to quickly and, touch on the Republican gains? Or sorry, not the Republican yeah. gains, but the House gains, because it, it's hard Let's to read it. some of this map, but Let's do it. Let's do it. Looking at it, because I'm not going to go line by line like I did in the ballot measures, but I'm seeing probabilistic is around six seats gained by the Republicans. Yep. That's what um, I saw. That I mean, I, I could be the map. It, it, well, there's 435 districts, right? So it's like it's hard to go piece by piece and make sure I got everything. But I believe I'm seeing six, six gained. And that would mean two lost and eight collected. So that's a plus six margin is what I mean yeah. there. Yep, yep. And so the, the trend there is that we could very well end up with a president that has uh, a ton of restraints, which is a good thing given the vice president. Um, <laughs> right. and, and more to like the culture point, like, you know, I want to draw it back to the California Proposition 16 getting 
um, hopefully <laughs> getting voted a no here. Um, the nasty part of the far left, which everyone is kind of worried about with the Biden presidency, um, you know, with, with Kamala and everything. And the, the worry is that he's kind of a, uh, a walkover for these people. You know, they'll just push him around or whatever. But the, the good news that I'm seeing out of this is that they're gonna have so many restraints on them that it's, it's gonna be very difficult for the more activist part of that party to, to really get things done. Like they're not even able to get California to pass this um, anti-racist legislation, which is what this goes under because anti-racism is actually all about um, segregation and discrimination. They just wanna do it for the quote unquote right reasons. Right. Um, so I, I do wanna point that out that I think this is actually in some ways, this election was a referendum because remember Trump got 67 million votes. He got Nigerian vote, Vietnamese vote, increased women vote, increased black vote. Massive Hispanic of, vote increase. Massive Hispanic, yeah. Also and massive our, LGBT increase. Yep, that too. And, and I think a lot of that vote is a reaction to this stuff a reaction to the far left. It's like, well, we need to check on these people. Like they did, you know, we have, there's progress and there's restraint and we're short on restraint. And I think right. that even, even if he lost the election, there's a, uh, if you look at the entire, the entire picture of the election, I, I think wokeism took a hit. I think also more to your point right there about the, you point out the Latin group. I want to dig into that a little more. The, this idea of, identity politics, like uh, making assumptions based off of someone's group, first and foremost, like their group identity trumps their individual identity, no pun intended. I think that has also taken a hit too, like because we saw the Cubans in Florida and now we see like the, you know, the 1619 author, um, Nicole Hannah-Jones um, kind of coming out and saying super, super crazy stuff. Um, I do want to read this tweet real quick. She said, one day after this election is over, I'm going, to try, I'm going to write a piece about how Latino is a contrived ethnic category that artificially lumps white Cubans with black Puerto Ricans and indigenous Guatemalans and helps explain why Latinos support Trump at the second highest rate. It, even and, when there yeah. aren't white people in it, you find yep. people like yeah. the white person is a problem like that should right. be a big yeah. indicator that she's a crazy well, person yeah apparently because cubans didn't think the right way because they're you know either they think the right way and they're truly latino or actually they're white supremacists who are it's race one of traitors weird things i keep seeing from like it's funny because i actually like jimmy Dore. i don't agree with his ideas but i think he's actually like doing he's doing kind of, stuff for good reasons but he always talks about too. anything that's a bad idea is always from the right it's a right-wing idea it's it's like hold on, hold on. Some of the shit you say is on the right. It's like, that's not a right or left thing. That's just a thing. So it's just like, this feels like the same thing here where they're just like, anything that is bad is because is a white person did it. Oh, there aren't white people in the group? No, there are. Fuck that. White Cubans. It's like, hold on, hold on. You can't yeah. just lump the group that you hate into the, the results, even if they don't exist. That doesn't make well, any sense. Well, at the heart of all this crap is, you know, social constructivism. This idea that everything is basically socially constructed. I think Judith Butler is the name to Google for, for our listeners out there. And, you know, tabula rasa is another term that's thrown around the empty slate, the blank slate um, ideology. 
that's underlying underneath all this stuff underneath this identity politics and, and group identity in general. And so I think all of that took a hit with this election, even if Trump didn't win, because he kind of in some ways represents the anti or a portion at least of the anti-woke movement. We see a lot of liberals and centrists and libertarians who um, migrated over to a Trump vote to protest that stuff. Um, but I do, I do believe that this election actually does have that silver lining of like, it, it took aim at the far left and kind of delivered a, a punch to them. You know, it's like, yeah, you got the White House, but it came at the cost of you. <laughs> I, I think that's good long-term because, um, and this is where Jimmy Dore loses me, right? I think yeah. he conflates a little bit with Medicare for all and some of the other social programs he wants. It's like that's far left and that's, that's what's real. It's like, people don't have a problem with that. It's the other crazy stuff that's accompanying it, right? If you just said, hey, it's a debate of like public option, Medicare for all, some kind of healthcare system, we're all good to debate that. It's not like I think, oh man, my way's perfect. I can't ever listen to you. It's when you bring the other crazy nonsense that that's when people, that's when you lose people. And I, hopefully they start to get that, right? Is that we're not asking you to compromise your morals or anything. We're all no. anti-war here. We're all pretty much anti-NSA, except for fucking CNN and uh, <laughs> some other media publications. Yeah. But yeah. it's like, you can't also be crazy. You can't also tell us that all white people are bad and the cops are the worst things ever. And by the way, Medicare for all. And if you're not for all three, you suck. It's like, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Like we can talk about one of those. The other two, they're not starters. What are you, what are you, we even discussing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I get lost there too. It's just like, can't go down that road. I mean, it, it's me. a, He's a funny guy, but sometimes I have to turn him off because it's just like, oh, okay, Jimmy, you've, you, I've had enough of you for today. If uh, funny, I like that you call out both sides. I do think that's like, he tries to be neutral ish to the extent that he can, right? He's got his own bias, but Damn, as soon as you say stuff like all police are bad, it's like, oh, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a break from you for a minute. Yeah, you know, I, I that, that's so true. And I think, I think with this whole election, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that people also begin to realize, like hopefully I, I, I hope we enter kind of a gridlock era on the federal level. Like I'd like yes. to see a little more gridlock. I'd like to see a little more forced um, dialogue between left and right. And I'm, I'm feeling actually kind of positive about that because I think, like I said, all, this election brought a lot of this far left stuff up to the surface and people punched it down. And um, yeah, I, I want to see more of that. Like, you know, there, there's this idea, I think that people need to be completely unbiased. And I'm like, I, I'm at the point where, you know, I don't think that that's an ideal that anybody can achieve. And I think what you have to do is admit your own biases and surround yourself consciously with people who offset those biases a little bit and learn to get a, along with them. Yeah, I, I don't think bias is the problem. I think it's that people are unwilling to make their lives more difficult so they don't surround themselves with people who can right. counter their bias, yeah. right? It's like, I, I have more libertarian and conservative type views but I do hang out with a lot of people who are more like, not socially progressive, I'm pretty socially progressive on that side, but it's like fiscally progressive, right? Looking into more, more um, welfare state and things like that. I try to be open to those ideas and those discussions and be understanding. 
And it makes my life fucking difficult because some of the conversations we have are nonsense. Yeah, but like, you have to be willing to have those. I, I think, I mean, I hear this a, a great a great amount where it's, we will never have a civil war because people are too comfortable, right? You can just go home and watch whatever's on Netflix. So it's like, even <laughs> if you're angry, right? And I think people kind of have that in their conversations. That's the, oh, no politics at the dinner table. No, no politics, religious. Like, why? Just have the conversation. The more you have it, the easier it'll be. And also, mm. if you are so tied up into it that you can't even have a conversation with somebody with a dissenting opinion without losing your mind, maybe you should investigate yourself a little bit, right? And I'm not talking about if they be mean. Like if they start calling you an idiot, right? Yes, you're warranted to be upset at them. But if they just have an idea and they have facts and stats to back up why they have come to this conclusion, you're the asshole if you get upset at that, right? If they come right. with valid stats and if they don't, try to correct them, right? Assume good faith. It's... It's yeah, a problem we have faith. in society. Assume good faith. Yeah. I think it goes hand in hand with, um, uh, I, I forgot who it was. Some woke person in the past, but anyways, uh, someone came up with this phrase called, uh, the, the personal is now political. And I think if you couple this, um, lack of wanting to surround yourself with anything that's slightly difficult in terms of people that have different biases from you and being able to communicate with them, with this idea of the personal is now political, which is like, hey, basically politics is your new religion um, without a God and without any upward trajectory really. And, and uh, everything personal about you should also have a political opinion that it maps to, that, you, that it corresponds with. Um, I think that is what led, has what led to this incredible, um, I don't want to say free speech problem because I honestly don't view it as a free speech problem. I view it as a discourse problem. Yeah, exactly. You just have this discourse problem and, and, and it transcends a president, you know, people are like, Oh, just get Trump out of office and it'll fix things. Like, no, this was happening well before Trump. Um, Trump is a symptom of this. And by the way, so is Biden and Kamala, I should mention, but, um, this is something that is much deeper than politics. This is a cultural issue. It's a new one. It's born in the 2000s. Um, a new one for us to face, at least. So, yeah, I, I think I think you're spot on. I think people are entirely too comfortable. You know, they're ordering their weed. <laughs> they're at home, uh, staying staying away from COVID, <laughs> watching Netflix, ordering French fries. Um, yeah, I. Yeah, it's one of those. So realistically, I think the outcome is not the worst in the world. Um, I, I, like I said, I lean a little more conservative, right? I, I'd probably prefer a house and Senate with red. I honestly didn't give that much of a shit about the president because uh, my God, Trump is just such an asshole. His policies, I don't think are the worst ever. They're pretty standard Republican realistically, but Jesus Christ, he just needs to shut the hell up. And that's why he lost oh the election because he's an asshole. Yeah. But so we have, so there's red Senate, essentially, we forgot to talk about that, but it's basically 52 seats on the Senate. It looks like yeah. uh, yep. Democrats flipped two, um, Republicans flipped one. That's the count I saw, but also did, do not quote me. Things are still in progress. So this, you know, could be 53 for all I know. Um, but then the house is going to be a little more red. It's still going to be Democrat majority, but not crazy majority. And then you'll have Biden and, and Kamala. And then there's a six, three majority on the Supreme court. Really, I'd call it a 5-4 majority. I don't find Roberts to be that conservative. He's much more in the middle and he'll sway however he feels feels like it today. But 
I don't think that's bad. Like you said, that's gridlock, but also, hey, that's fine. We'll compromise for the next two years until we have another Congress and Senate potential flip. And we'll go from there and we'll see who the 2024 Republican candidate is. Um, I, my guess, right? Like I say, it very well could be Trump. I have no idea, right? We'll get to a court battle. I bet it's still Biden and Kamala, but I don't know. It might be good because it's, uh, I heard Tim Pool say it's like, it's a simmering of the stew, right? Because like we've been boiling, like we just sit there boiling and it's like, okay, people on the left calm down because they got the asshole out. The people on the right can bitch, but still be like, we have the Senate and, uh, and Supreme Court, whatever, man, We're, we'll be fine. We can make it four years. We can deal. And in 2024, we get kind of a big reset. Yeah, I, I think I vibe with that, man, because I, I look at it. It's like, yeah, you know, the um, the never Trumpers, the people who literally center their <laughs> entire online being as, you know, the, the formula I like to throw at you is me equals negative one times Trump. They're happy because they got Trump out. Um, the far left is happy because they got their guy in, but they, you know, they can sit there and bitch about the Democrat Party because they're not going to get anything done. They're going to continue to bitch about the Democrat Party as they don't get anything done because of the gridlock, which is a good thing for the country. Um, and the the MAGA folks, um, I mean, they what sixty seven million votes. What on happens their side? to the MAGA folks? Actually, it, say that Trump loses. Yeah. Let's just go with that assumption for for the time being. I, if you're fair with that, I don't know if you agree yeah. with that or not. That Trump. I, I, I'm kind of assuming that. I mean, I've been assuming that since Fox called Arizona for better or for worse. Okay. Um, but yeah. But yeah. Okay. Then what happens to the MAGA folks? Because are, are they turning out in 2024 because they're pissed? Are they lifelong Republicans? Do they just go, do they fall back and get out of politics such as Republicans lose like 10 million votes? What happens? Yeah, no, I, I mean, to me, it's just, oh, well, this is clearly the platform for the future of the Republican Party. They're, they've got you know, I think, what was it? They had the most non-white votes in, in GOP's history since like 1960-something. I think they're at 26%. I, I listed some of the stuff there. They're, they're turning into, you know, I think they're trying to turn into this populist working class party, potentially. And so in some ways, you know, 67 million votes, like I said, huge turnout. Um, in some ways, I think that they've found their platform going forward is this kind of populist worker party um fighting the class war you know um yeah and and <laughs> which by the way um i got a funny question for you uh so all these non-whites uh non-white folk um going over to the republican party is that racism or is that anti-racism well I think by definition, anti-racism is racism, right? So it has to be racism by default. Oh, you went reductionist on me. Okay, I'll accept that. Um, <laughs> so, but anyways, uh, I, think, I think the MAGA people actually come out with, you know, not obviously as big of a win as those people might've hoped for, but in terms of the, the long-term strategy, it's like, okay, well, this populism thing is definitely here to stay. I don't know where they would go. They're not going back to neoconservative um, I times. I think you're right. And that's, I don't know, because it'll depend on who comes out in 2024, right? Because yeah. I just don't know who. So Trump is more similar to Bernie Sanders than any right. other politician, in my opinion, right? Like the way they talk, this populism, stuff like that. I don't know who the next Republican politician that kind of fits that mold is, right? Because Ted Cruz is much more of a, of a swampy type. Like I, I don't yeah. find him to be that bad, but I, he is in the swamp type, right? Rand yeah. Paul is libertarian-ish but he's not populist 
it's i just don't i think you're right i think that's where the party's going to go i just don't know who is the person to lead it uh because yeah, I don't know either, I, but I think we're going to see some demographic shifts before we know, because I, I think these trends are not one-off trends. I think we, we, saw, we saw a little bit of it in 2016. We saw a huge amount of it actually in 2020. And I think we're going to see even more of non-white, like that, that whole, it is, it is shifted from a gender and race sort of separation into a class one. And I think you're going to have a actually somewhat strangely more diverse Republican party and a just a, it might be a different candidate than they're ever used to. That's my prediction. I, I mean, Trump I, I could run again, right. but I think if he does run again, he's going to have a challenger. That's going to be a completely different type of challenger. I, my guess is Trump does not run again because I think he's going to love the attention he's going to get. If he gets like a year of Supreme court battles and all that shit where he doesn't actually have to run anything. He gets oh, to yeah. just, just bitch on Twitter and that's all he has to do. And in 2024, he's like, you know what? Oh. I feel like I've done my time. I'm going to, and then whoever is the next Republican will need his endorsement though. That's a fact. That is if true. If you want that the Trump true. vote, you're probably going to need his endorsement. Well, hold on. I want to, I want to push back on that. I, I, how do we know he's going to have a Twitter, a Twitter account? Oh, that's true. He might be banned um, as of January 21st. I, yeah, so I have no idea. He, he might be gone because the, the, the reason why they don't do anything um, right now is because of his, you know, quote unquote newsworthiness. That's why they keep right. him on. So it's like, is he quote unquote newsworthy according to Twitter if he's not the president of the United States, aka January 21st? <laughs> like, as soon as he gets on that airplane or helicopter. That's a great question because is a former president newsworthy? Because, right, Barack Obama is, whatever he does is newsworthy. So would Trump fit the bill? And I think Twitter keeps him because, like, He's just worth so much. Like even the press they get from banning his tweets, right? Get some more coverage because then people start tweeting about that. So unless he left the platform and, and I think that's why they wouldn't ban him is because then if he goes to Gab, like he's going to take all his followers with him. So now you've, now you've lost that and yep. they're a money-making machine, right? That's what they do. Well, I, I think technically they operate at a loss, but in, in theory, they're, they're in the <laughs> business to make money. So I just don't see him booting him. I see they'd like this kind of attention. And with and with Democrats in the White House, they're not going to go after him. It's just not happening. So they're going to get to continue to do whatever the shit they feel like. Yeah, I think so. So I, I think, I don't know. In some ways, this election turned out decent. Now, I, yeah. I know that there's some voting issues. We're, we're going to see it. Oh, I'm sure we're going to uncover some stuff. Yeah, we, we've got some problems. Okay, like, look, I think Glenn Greenwald wrote about this. Oh yeah, his know. article was great. Oh, it was freaking fantastic where he was writing about Brazil. You know, Brazil has 200 million people and they are freaking fantastic at voting compared to us. I mean, we were so slow and terrible, but I, I will say this thing, I will say this. I was tracking, so Florida, which has always been like a pain in the ass for, for voting, they were actually really good this year. They, um, they were spot on. They were updating every 20 minutes with like voter metadata. Like there was an API that you could hit and you could watch. And I was watching it. Um, yeah. Well, why can't every state do what Florida did this year? I don't yeah. understand. Because if we did that by midnight, shit's done. We got oh, it. Yeah. And it was incredible. <laughs> it was like, whoa, you can actually watch everything real time effectively, you know, every 20 minutes or so. They missed a couple times, but you know, whatever. Um, but there was like increased transparency. Like somebody did some work down there. Yeah. And guess what? If that would have happened in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, et cetera, nobody's questioning these results. There might be recounts. There might be, you know, just double checking, yeah. stuff like that. I'm no sure one's questioning check. this shit. 
And, and yeah. to, to think that, oh, it's just because Trump, it's like, no, it's because y'all did weird shit this year. Right. Yep. And I get that you had COVID, but so did everybody else. And Florida was able to like rock this. And it's Florida. <laughs> they do crazy yeah. shit. Yeah, <laughs> Florida is the state of hanging chads. I mean, let's not yeah. forget that. And so for them, for them to step up and do that, I think, uh, you know, and then talk, you know, reading Glenn Greenwald's article um, about voting efficiency, which, by the way, you know, the libertarian argument of efficiency of government, boy, that really, <laughs> really shown through today, huh? Oh, um, God. Yeah, I, I, uh, I don't know. I there will say positives this, to take out of this. There are a lot yeah, of I, I think this is all correctable, right? I think by 2024, I do think some of this is going to come out and say like, hey, listen, I don't care if you have to start three days earlier. You can't have fucking stuff coming in three days after the election. Yep. It has to be night of. You need to start your counts earlier. We can't go a month with this freaking civil turmoil we're about to go into, right? You need to have it done just so we all know and there's a finish and we feel comfortable yep. and we're done. Um, I will say to some people, though, as they don't quite understand, part of this is a feature, not a bug. The feature is obviously not waiting three days after the election to even have the results, let alone the next month and a half, two months of Supreme Court stuff. But having every state do its own system is important so that it is less hackable, right? That is a thing. That's actually a reason why they do that is it is much harder to infiltrate an election when you can't, when each of the voting machines and not each by, by like every single one, but I mean, just like in different sectors, it's different voting machines. And it sounds crazy, but realistically it's a decentralization, right? That's a technique that you use to say, Hey, we are going to guess that 1% of these things are going to be corrupt. But the good news is, is that if 1% are corrupt, we only have 1% bad ballots. Right. It can't if, spread to 25%. Right. If instead we picked one out of 100, we would have either 0% corrupt or 100% corrupt. You can't yeah. have the 100%, right? So that's why we choose. It's much better to have 1% corrupt than it is to have 100%, even if you get zeros most of the time, right? That's the reasoning of, of why we do stuff like this. So I know people don't like it. I know it's technically less efficient. It's a built-in inefficiency. It's a known, and there's a reason for it. It's not, it's not crazy. That does not mean some of this shit is warranted, but the 50 different states, 50 different implementations is a warranted thing. Yeah, I think it's a feature and not a bug. Um, decentralization and, and localization is a good thing. Federation is, is a good thing, more specifically yeah. to the United States government. Because ideally, too, what comes out of it, right, is that you have 50 different implementations, but they all see that Florida rocked it. And they say, oh, well, we should just be much more like that, right? We'll have our own implementation that does that style. We'll, we'll set up the way we count. Because, like, I don't care if you do mail-in ballots before day of or vice versa. And I don't care when you start your count or if you start on October 1st versus October 15th, right? Those are implementation details for the states to decide. I don't give a shit. The matter is only that everything's done by November 3rd and you can count them quickly and we all feel secure, right? Yep. That's the only thing that I care about. And that's where 50 different implementations helps with that because you see who's the best, you start stealing that and then you can still iterate. We have 50 iterations every four years or really every two years. Yep. And so I, yeah, I, I see some positives out of this. And also, by the way, I should, I should mention, you know, um, we've had some doom and gloom on this podcast before around this time or when we're talking around this time of the year. Um, so far, no violence, right? I'm not seeing any. There was a little bit, but not near as much. I think it actually helped that it like had a weird crescendo tonight where it's like nobody was elected because oh, then everybody yeah. like at midnight, you're like, I I'm going to bed. I don't even know what's happening. 
And so everybody's just like glued to the TVs, but no one can go out and riot because they're not like burning because they're just like everybody sees their path to victory. So they're all kind of complacent a little bit. I think that actually worked out well. Yeah, I think it worked out. And so that's another bit of good news. We should. should Yeah, this is actually a fairly positive podcast for for our standards. I mean, whenever we do tech, it's positive. Whenever we do politics, it's generally not. But this one's generally not. It could have been worse. I, I honestly, if it had been a landslide Republican or a landslide Democrat, it'd have been bad. It, it would have so. been bad. So, so the fact that it's kind of this like Biden wins, but not by a ton. And then the, the Republicans retain the Senate and they gain in the House, but not enough to over. It's like, that's probably the best thing that could have happened, which also makes me feel like, uh, is it just controlled? <laughs> is the election just controlled? This was the absolute best thing that could have happened, most likely, given this, the situation we're in. Yeah, and it feels I, weird that it'd be a coincidence. Yeah, I know. I kind of wonder that too. I'm like, this is a pretty good outcome. You know, in my mind, um, you know, I, I never, you know, the far right is bad, but it's not as big of a threat as the far left. We now have the tools to continue fighting either extreme, but especially the far left. And yeah, so it just seems like a, yeah, this year, right? I think we gained like, it. Yeah, hundred percent. And so it's like, I, I think this is going to be okay we just really got to repair the interpersonal stuff it's like you gotta be able to talk to people you got to step outside of your dogma and like put aside your your team affiliation and uh put on your reasonable and emotional reasoning hats and um talk to people yeah and i i do see the good path out of this too right because i I, trump is a symptom i 100 agree with that i think we both say that but also you kind of have to treat the symptom while making the cure Right. It turns out it's like if you have a fever due to some underlying condition, internal bleeding or something like that, you don't say, oh, well, we're not going to deal with the fever. Let's let's solve the issue first. It's like you probably tackle both at the same time or you handle the fever and then attack the main problem. Right. So Trump, like he's an asshole. He's bad for discourse. It is what it is. Um, I don't think that's a reason not to vote for him, given like the situation necessarily. And I'm not saying you should or should not vote. Just I don't think that's the best way to pick up a candidate is if they're not an asshole but he's an asshole and having him out of office and not having his fucking twitter feed going off like crazy all day oh my god probably a good thing like (laughs) that's probably good that's probably net net positive yeah i yeah and i think he uh i think yeah just i i'm struggling to pick up words but i really do think that we're in a good spot like I, i don't i don't know if i can say that we're worse off than we were yesterday yeah i didn't i had not thought about what the best outcome is realistically right i thought about the possible outcomes but i hadn't really thought to myself of like what is the best outcome and now that it's kind of hit me in the face it's like oh yeah this is this is not bad like this is this is acceptable right i mean depending on what your definition of best is right maybe if you want your own policies that's the best but if you're looking for just compromise and civility and a calming of tension so we can all get back to kind of working together this is probably the best thing could have happened yep and yeah and like i said like i think like you said that the the point about trump being a symptom the reason why we refer to him as a symptom is not to dismiss him uh, as less importance which you know obviously a disease is more important than the symptom so, but it's not to dismiss him, it's to categorize him accordingly. Because if you look at it, like, if you think about it proportionally, like Trump is the most covered thing, I think of all time in any of, in any of our lifetimes, certainly. He's, the, he's completely overcovered by media. 
And yes. it's disproportionate how much he's covered, vastly disproportionate. It's not, it's not even close to how much he's covered to every other thing that there is out there. And I think having a symptom vastly disproportionately covered like that and the disease or the diseases not really talked about or talked about in tiny circles. And then, you know, when, when you, you're talking about it to your friends or whatever, they, they, um, they try to get you to talk about Trump instead because that's the important thing, you know, to them. Um, I, I think that's a problem. I think it's a problem in our discourse. Like we have to, have to get away from, hey, um, this is the topic du jour. You have to have an opinion about this. And here's like the three potential opinions you can have. And you need to say these words and utter these things. You know, it's almost like compelled in a way, socially compelled speech. Um, and I guess what I'm trying to get at is, I hope we get out of that. I hope we get back to a spot where it's like, we can talk about deeper issues and, and the response to talking about them is not dismissal. Like, hey, you're forgetting about Trump and the cages and all this other stuff. And you're not pointing this out and you're not pointing this out. It's like, no, no, we need to get to a spot where we can actually talk about things like the underlying diseases without dismissal in general. Yes. And so I think when we, when we talk about Trump as a symptom, we're really, it's a proxy for us saying that there's actually underlying things and we all know it that are more important to talk about that lead to things like Trump and the way discourse is totally broken right now. It's like, we have to talk about Trump or you have to quote unquote, call it even, or you have to, you know, whatever. It's like socially compelled speech. I just, I think hopefully we can move away from that and move more towards open discourse where we can prioritize things a little better. Yeah. I, I think the bad thing about Trump is just his personality's shit. He did expose a lot though. Like he exposed the, the rampant media bias, like the fucking state of the FBI and CIA is ridiculous at this point. It was already bad, right? We all are, we already knew this, but it, it's just gotten even worse. It, and like you said, it's just the discourse and the way we're handling stuff. And it kind of threw it in our face of like, hey, it was getting bad. Like the, the fact is it was getting worse and worse and it just kind of catapulted to the forefront. And I'm hoping like if he goes that people, I don't think it's going to happen immediately, right? I think people are going to like be sore winners and sore losers. But I think eventually once the next cycle comes around, the, the Democrats just don't have a boogeyman anymore. They won't have yeah. a Trump to be like, look at the oh, next 100%. Trump and, and be like, oh, Ted Cruz, are you fucking kidding me? Like, yeah. what, what? Like, what? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah he gets yeah. in beefs with Mark Cuban. He's not exactly calling people fat, like losers. Like, this is not a yeah. thing. This Rand is not a Paul, thing. Yeah. not happen. It's yeah. just, it'll become more civil via the next person. Now, policy-wise, I don't know. That's it, going to be dependent on your your take and who gets in office. Rand Paul's policies I like, others not so much. But uh, it, I think Matt Taibbi summed it up best. Trump is the lyingest president and also the most lied about. And yep. it's kind of just exposed the, the whole situation we have is like people just put him in because they said, fuck the system. And the system just said, fuck you back. And now it's like, okay, can everybody just step back, take a breath? Like, let's... <laughs> Kind of get back into working order because this is all yeah. fucked up. Yep, hundred percent. So yeah, on that note, I think we can uh, we can call it a a night. We'll, uh, oh, we call it an election? Are we calling it? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> We're not going to do that. But um, <laughs> yeah, we might do a quick follow up. We'll see about we'll see about these election results, and we'll we'll get back to y'all shortly. But 
Keep your head <laughs> up and stay or safe. Or the follow-up might be two months from now. We have no idea. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We have no idea. Could be two months from now. They really could. But uh, in the in the meantime, stay safe. Um, keep your heads up. Um, follow us. Like us. Subscribe to us. We're on Facebook. We're on every major podcasting platform: Apple, Google, Spotify. You name it, we're there. Um, share us with your friends. Reach out to us. We're always curious to hear from you guys. And yeah, above all, stay positive and uh, love thy neighbor. Yeah, that be civil in your discourse. Like you can have disagreements 100%. with that yelling matches. It's fine. Yeah, don't result to ad hominem attacks. Don't need to go there. Yeah, no one's an idiot because they disagree with you on a tax rate. Yeah. And they're not thing. evil. Yeah, most people are good. Keep that in your mind. Yeah. And uh, right. yeah, with that said, peace. Peace.